Ah, we are live. Welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, I am one of your co-hosts, Angel Reese. Alongside me is Caitlin Clark. Oh, wait, did I do that wrong? I think you did just a little bit wrong. Why am I Caitlin Clark? Is it is that what this is? Is that you're, because, you're, you're showboating in my face and I, I'm the one who... If you can't sing the words to this song right here... National Champions, baby! Coming back to the booth! You won one national championship, okay? Let's 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 settle that down a little bit. Let's. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, Blake. I'm, I'm joking. T I G E R S. Hey, I mean, again, big congratulations to you guys. It's it's massive that you guys won. I I didn't think that it was going to be that much of a blowout. I don't follow women's basketball really, but I thought that with the way that Caitlin Clark put a, a stomping on uh, on South Carolina, that that maybe that that she would come back and do the same thing against LSU. But LSU better team. Congrats to you guys. So LSU has not been that good all year. <laughs> they no. other worldly. You know what's interesting, Joe. All joking aside, my name is Blake Rafino. Alongside me is Joe DeLeon here on the Rafino and Joe Show. What's interesting, so the ESPN published the stats today. The game was on ABC. Did you know that 9.9 million people were tuned in to that game last night? Do you know what games it beat? It beat last year's football. It beat Ohio State and Michigan. He beat LSU and Alabama in overtime. The only games that it did not beat last year was Georgia and Ohio State and Georgia and TCU. So when you're talking about college athletics and then the pros, they've outdrawn college athletics is taking that next step. You want to know why? I think this is a good thing about the portal. That's a different topic for a different day that we'll talk on. But I do think that that's interesting. Also, we're going to talk about these people tonight. Did you know that USC and Oregon both received a viewership increase this past season by two times? Two times. Yeah. Yep. What's interesting about that, I think, is because teams are getting a lot better and you want to see outright big-time matchups happening. So congratulations to win- – you know who won yesterday, Joe? Women's basketball. That's who Oh, won. absolutely. absolutely. And I, I don't know what the exact increase was from from the last few years, but uh, it was just all UConn, it seems like, for, for the history of women's college basketball the last decade. And uh, you're absolutely right. The transfer portal sets us up for more things like this, a lot more parity in any of the sports. And it's massive to see that a women's basketball game is drawing more attention than any crap that's happening right now in the NBA. College sports, I'll, I'll continually say it, college sports is infinitely more entertaining than professional, except maybe outside the NFL. You don't uh, get the same level of drama. You just don't. I 1,000 agree with that. It's, a, it's an increase. The peak, here's the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. The peak last night or yesterday for women's athletics or women's basketball championship, 12.6 million people. That, wow. would have, that would have topped every sporting event outside of this little thing called the Super Bowl. Nevertheless, uh, it's big. So if you want to listen about an LSU show, you can listen to AYS at 7 o'clock. We'll do that. But tonight, Joe, we're going to talk about USC. We're also going to go all the way, and we're going to go West Coast all, all episode. I know that you love that so much because you love USC and Oregon. But we're also going to bring on uh, guest Zach Neal. Mm -hmm. He's going to be joining us. We're going to talk some USC and Oregon. I guess quick thoughts before we get to the break about these two teams before we dive into it. Uh, no, I'm excited to have on uh, Zach Neal, who is a host of Believe in Ducks show on the Believe Network, and he's also uh, works with, for the Ducks Wire, younger personality in the uh, coverage space. But I, I think he does a lot of great work. Not enough people really know who he is for, or not enough people get, give him enough recognition for, I think, of how great of a um, pundit for Oregon is. So excited to dive into that because Oregon has a lot of potential this upcoming season to really do some damage in the Pac-12. We'll get to this uh, right after this break. Where they have potential, I don't think USC does on one side of the football. We'll talk about that next. But let's do this. Everybody do us a favor, though, by hitting the like and share. Share to all of those social media groups. If you're on Facebook, Joe, I got to admit, Facebook has been killing it for us over the last month or so. Y'all continue to like, subscribe, 
and share it to those groups, share it to your own social media pages. Every time you hit the like button, a new fan is born into college football. That's what I like to say uh, here. If you're listening to us on YouTube, Joe, we're about 10 people away from hitting the 5,000 on AYS, uh, about another wow. on the Rafino and Joe show. So really growing really fast, really excited about it. So y'all don't forget to hit the uh, like, subscribe, and notification bell. Wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. So, Joe, let's go out west. Let's go to sunny California where Caleb Williams still paints his nails. <laughs> next after this break from Bet Online, we're back in 50 seconds. Let's talk some college football next. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, betonline.ag. So we've done away with the with the Texas you sound? To. You told me to. I, I only suggested because we give the, the horns up goofballs too much run by using that sound horns down every horns show down. every show um let me say this before we get rolling into this saturday i told you before this blew up that this was coming about will levis your boy wasn't wrong because now ian rapaport this morning and today is reporting the same thing that we had reported on saturday let me clear let me clarify one thing yeah i said top five pick what I should have said was a top 10 pick, but the, you know, I, I think realistically though, I don't think it's, it's happening in the top five. Okay. So if they need a quarterback outside right. of Carolina, yeah, outside of Carolina, every, everything's on the table. I think that they know, everybody knows that they're going with CJ Stroud, which as a saints fan makes me feel a lot better. I don't want to see Bryce young anymore. Okay. Um, Will Levis, I'm just going to tell you, is hitting here's where he's beating Bryce Young. You ready? The interview room. That's that is 1000% where he's Levis is winning in the interview room. You're saying not winning. He's oh. LSU versus Iowa dominating. That's that's how much I, I'm hearing that he's separating himself. So just to clarify on the news that we talked about yeah. last Saturday, y'all can go listen to that show uh, after this. Joe, let's start off with this. So we're going to talk about. Uh, USC and Oregon, Oregon in just a minute. But you had an interesting thing that was going on with uh, with USC and a recruit that I want you to get to, but I also want to break down USC as well. So go ahead and get to the recruit. And and, and I think what it, what we're going to do here is show the changes that Lincoln – look, we've poo-pooed on Lincoln Riley a lot on this show. At least I have. And we will continue to poo-poo on well, Lincoln Riley well, on this show. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with that. What I will say is that they are getting better from what they were, okay? I, I don't think that you can you can say that they're not getting better from the Clay Helton era. But what's this interesting thing that you have about the recruit and, and what's going on there before we start breaking down some USC? So the headline what spurred the discussion of talking about USC is that they signed the last remaining top recruit in the 2023 recruiting cycle. If you happen to miss it over the weekend, Deuce Robinson – who was the number one tight end recruit is considered to be one of the most talented tight end recruits to come out in the past decade. He is an extremely, extremely explosive athlete, very good football player. I implore anyone to go check out his highlights because he's really, really fun to watch. He was testing the waters for the, the MLB. He wanted to see if that was a possibility. It seems like the feedback was not positive enough. So he decided he wants to play college football and he picked USC, which was, a little bit of the expected outcome here. Mm -hmm. What I get from this and my takeaways from this is that like this doesn't really mean anything for me for USC. It's great that they added the kid. And the, kid the kid's very, very, very talented. And it's going to be a, another big explosive first-round pick that comes out of USC's offense. 
Oh, you really but, think you can be a first round pick as a tight end? He's got all the tools, and I, I think that plus He's athletes and tight end number two now. Right, right. As as long as your head's on straight, if you have all the tools and you're a plus athlete, it's not hard to become a first round pick as a tight end. It's very hard to put together kids like Deuce Robinson. But where I'm like, this doesn't mean anything for me is that USC, and I have continued to harp on this, doesn't recruit outside of offensive weapons and quarterback. Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I want more of a commitment to the defensive side of the football. And until you show a commitment to the defensive side of the ball in your recruiting, I know they got some guys in the portal. They're going to continue to do the same crap that they did last year. This is mm -hmm. Oklahoma West. Stick and Riley's not winning any more games than he did last year against teams like Oregon who bolstered their defense. And then when they jump to the big 10, they're going to continue to get beat by teams that actually have really good defenses like Michigan, like Ohio state, like Iowa, all Wisconsin. It is going to be tough sledding for them if they can't figure that stuff out. All right. So I agree with, I, so let me preface my thought about USC. So I'm glad that they're getting recruits. I think here, here's my opinion. When USC is good, that means that college football is going to be good as well. I don't think that – and, Joe, I know that you don't like USC as much as I don't really like Texas. Like, your Texas is – or your USC is my Texas, I guess I should mm -hmm. say. Or Alabama, whichever one. Doesn't matter. Pick one. Flip a coin. I agree with you, but also disagree with you, okay? I agree that defensively they have to get better. They, Lincoln has taken the same blueprint that he had at Oklahoma and impl implanting it at USC. Here's the difference for me. I think Lincoln Riley learned something. You ready? He is beefing up up front, not on just the offensive line, but defensive line. Mm -hmm. They get went and got Ethan White from Florida. They went and got Michael uh, Torquin from Florida, both uh, interior and, and, and uh, interior offensive linemen and tackle. Anthony Lucas is a guy that when he went Very to the pool, I really, I really wanted LSU to go after. He goes to USC, but it's not enough. They did have a really good recruiting class, but the two headliners of their class, Zachariah Branch, who could play corner or wide receiver, doesn't really matter, or and Malachi Nelson, who's going to be a really damn good quarterback. Here's the problem that I have with USC, and we'll continue to have with Lincoln Riley in general. Joe, here's the stats. They were 106 in total defense, 109th on third down defense, and you know how massive I look at that stat on third down. They're, they were, here, here's where it's incredulous to me. It's not as if USC was playing juggernaut offenses. Utah might be the best offense you played, and they are not an explosive offense. Besides Dalton Kincaid, find me one guy on there that's getting drafted earlier than the third round. It's not it's not happening. They don't know Utah doesn't have any athletes to your point. They're well, not facing I, I anyone explosive. I think UCLA does have some guys that could possibly sneak yeah. in. Okay, but Charbonnet is a good football Charbonnet player. Charbonnet is a good you right. But regardless of that, US UCLA still scored a crap load and had a crap load of yards on them. Joe, this is where I this is where Alex Grinch not only deserves to be fired, where he should have been fired. At Oklahoma, I can understand it to some extent. Here's why. Because they don't have the in-state recruiting that some states have. But he goes to California. He goes to the portal. Joe, they're they were 80th in rush defense, 112th in passing yards allowed in a in a system where a lot of the great teams that you're playing. Don't throw the football. Tulane was a great example of an what we will call an underperforming type of school majority of the time and a mid-major taking it to USC. Joe, if they don't get better defensively, it doesn't matter who paints their nails at USC. They're not winning a damn thing. And if they think that they're going to get them playoff with that defense, they might. You know what, Joe? They might, because their offense is going to be so explosive, might be able to outscore everybody to get to a playoff. But once they get in, once everything has been written, this mm -hmm. year and next, they are going to get absolutely slaughtered. You know what? The last time that they went to a playoff game with these exa almost exact same, same statistics, you want to know the team that they played in the playoff? was Joe Burrow and the LSU team. 
then you can turn a couple years before that with Baker Mayfield in the game. Georgia, of all teams, Georgia with Jake from State From, okay? Jake from State From literally was lighting them up to play, and then they would go on to play for as a freshman. Yes. I just don't get the hype behind Lincoln Riley when he allows this bad of defense. I don't get it. That's the step further that I take this. So, like, I, my opening statement here is they're going to go play in the Big Ten, and they've got one more year in the Pac-12. Good they luck. Don't have, Good they luck. don't have – but, like, let's take it a step further than that. Say things go really well and you win all those football games. You have to build a team to compete with SEC teams if you want to win a national championship. Plain and simple. That's the only way that you win a national championship. Forget about winning uh, your conference. That's all fine and dandy if you do, but you need to be able to compete in the playoff, as you just said, against teams like LSU and Georgia when you face them. And they have both instances for when he was at Oklahoma were slaughtered, completely slaughtered. And he, in those instances, did not recruit defensive talent effectively. Most of those those defensive players, very few of them went on to be high draft picks. Very few of them were highly recruited kids. And he's doing the same damn thing at USC. I don't understand why that isn't a massive red flag. That needs to be brought up as a red flag. It's not going to just get fixed with Alex Grinch, who's already a bad defensive coordinator. It's not just going to get quickly resolved. This requires efforts to go and get those five-star defensive backs, those five-star linebackers, those five-star defensive linemen. My biggest issue, and I've also brought this up, is that you talked about how they have all these recruits in their backyard. Mateo Uyunglele decided to go to Oregon, and he goes to school an hour away from you. That's right. a red flag. Why isn't he picking your school? It's nearby. That's a problem. They're not going to fix anything if, if, they don't, if they don't get those kids. Yeah, and then I know this wasn't under Lincoln Riley, but – who was the kid, uh, the Thibodeau kid, right? Like he went to Oregon and he was in you, LA. He's from Los Angeles. Right. You have to. And Pete Carroll showed us this with Orgeron, with Kiffin, with Sarkeesian, who named the coach that was under Pete Carroll in those years. This doesn't change no matter the year. You got to lock down your region. You got to lock down LA. Joe, in this past class, they got 10 kids from California. It needs to be 15 at minimum. At minimum. Has to be at least 15, okay? Yeah. And then, look, I, I'm cool with you getting a, the, a five-star wide receiver. I'm cool with you getting a transcendent quarterback that could be in Malachi Nelson. I'm okay with that. You got to win. You win with offensive pieces. Let's not Let's not debate that because – the facts are that you need pieces offensively to win. But when you don't get the big beef up front, when you don't go out and get that Angus beef, Pauls, you're going to lose. And the big thing that all these teams get confused with, okay, the only team outside the SEC that doesn't – that I guess just kind of understands this, maybe two, and we're going to talk about one of them in just a minute. Ohio State understands that you got to win up front. Michigan understands that you got to win up front. And now Oregon, with Dan Lanning, who was in the SEC, understands you got to win up front. Mm. Joe, they're not winning those battles. The simple fact that they're 80th in rush defense in the Pac-12 when you should when you could have won your conference, Joe, it, it could have been it, it with the talent that they're supposed to have and the conference that they're in, being 80th in run defense is not only bad. It's horrendous. Now, the our, the excuse is going to be, well, it's year one and all this. But like, I, I got to stay consistent here. Like Lincoln, like Brian Kelly, like other coaches that have come in. Yeah. I, at this exact moment, Joe, I don't want you. To, I don't want to hear that you're staying the exact same from one year to the next when a new coach comes in at a massive program like a Notre Dame like a USC, like an LSU, whatever the school may be, because now you can go portaling. Do you mean to tell me that there wasn't enough defensive players in the portal last year that you couldn't have gone and got got gone and to get? I don't believe that. Because, Joe, the, the truth is, mm -hmm. if you want to say defensive lineman, okay, maybe you're right there. But you know what? 112th in pass defense 
is inexcusable when a third of the kids that went in the portal were DBs. That's in it. It is inexcusable when you don't have the early five scholarship limit met yet, and you can go get as many kids as you want. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting all of my chips in on USC. Let me play a little devil's advocate, though. You ready? Yes. If Lincoln Riley grows a set of balls and fires Alex Grinch, and he does well on the next hot defense, DC hire, I will tell you this: watch out. The thing that intrigues me the most is if it's it's like, in a sense, it's like Kirby in a way. When Kirby kind of let the reins go offensively a little bit, look what happened, okay? When he listened to Todd Muck and what happened, they're back-to-back national title winners. They're beating the dogs not out of Oregon. He's got to let Alex Grinch go. Jim Leonard would have gone to USC if you paid him the right money. And Jim Leonard not only runs circles around Alex Grinch, when he's running the circles, he's giving them the buzz cut that he loves so much. If I'm a USC fan, which I don't know if there's really this that many that's barking things like this, I would be outside of football ops picketing to fire Alex Grinch. He's that bad, Joe. He is that bad of a defensive coordinator. The simple fact that he's still employed is incredulous. I just don't understand... What if he didn't fire him after last year for how it was terrible? It was terrible, terrible. You just pointed out all the stats. If he didn't fire him after last year and then what we knew from his past at Oklahoma, what is going to constitute his firing this upcoming season? Because it's gonna really, take the oh, go realistically, ahead. they're going to improve statistically slightly based on the the, the kids that they did add in the portal. They realistically should at least improve slightly. So if Lincoln's giving him all this this long leash, is he going to sit there and say, well, you improved statistically, but I still got to get rid of you? He's given him enough fourth, fifth chances that I don't know if he's going to can him. There's there's too close of a relationship there that is hindering the progress of USC as a program. I don't know. I remember Lincoln Riley's opening press conference, and he talked about Alex Grinch and Alex Grinch. You know, you know they were third in the nation in sacks. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't put that together. Jamar Kane did. My my whole point in all of this is, I, you can you can have any quarterback on God's given earth. And look, with with it with it being said. I don't think it is a hot take to say that Lincoln Riley is the best quarterback developer that we have in college football. You know how I know that? Because when Jalen Hurts wanted to wanted to leave Alabama, he wanted to go with uh, Loxley to Maryland. Mm-hmm. Aben obviously stopped that and told him, listen, you need to go to Oklahoma because that guy is the best at developing quarterbacks. When you have the GOAT saying that, you know what Lincoln Riley can do. My point with Lincoln would always be, it doesn't matter what quarterback you have. It doesn't matter that LSU had Burrow. It doesn't matter that uh, that uh, Alabama had Bryce. It doesn't matter that Ohio State had, had Stroud. Like, none of that matters if you can't stop anybody. And they didn't. The thing that I think turns me off so much from USC and Lincoln Riley is he, you know, Lincoln never said anything about Caleb Williams' nails. You notice how he hasn't done or didn't do that against Tulane. My question ultimately would be does he have a real, like, does he have a stronghold on his programs to where he just lets his players do, do whatever he wants? I've heard a lot of stories about Lincoln Riley, about just Mm -hmm. being like, it's all about my offense, my offense, my offense, and not talking about defense. And if that's the truth, Joe, he will never win a national title. Think about this. How many Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks or candidates does he have to have before him not at least playing for, right? Like just playing for a national uh, championship before we start calling him overrated. Like, 
that well, that part I, I don't get. Every big game he coaches in Joe over the yeah. last two seasons, he's two and six. Yeah, he's two and six. That is not accept. I mean, how do you know what Nick Saban or Kirby Smart or who or whoever it would have been would have what they would kill to have quarterbacks like that that he's had. And to develop him as quickly as he he's done it. I mean, I feel like we're ultimate is the ultimate show of how good he is as a quarterback developer. Yes, yeah, because Jalen, everyone was just saying he was a running back at the time when he left. I'm old enough to remember when he would go into SEC stadiums all the time and light them up through the air. They said that because he was a black man with dreads. Let's call it what it is. He still threw for 65% of his passes. Don't tell me yeah. that he was a bad thrower. And he just got to a Super Bowl. Calm down, well, Cheech. Well, well, now now he's he's developed and he's a really good, very good football player. And he fits perfectly in that Eagles offense. But I, I also think that the the one to answer your question, like how soon are we starting to call him overrated? I mean, I think that we're starting to turn the page on that discussion. We're starting to turn the page in being willing to start that conversation. I think those that are really plugged in and pay attention to the college football landscape are aware that this guy is overrated, that he is not, he is not in the upper echelon in the top five of national championship capable of winning coaches. No, I'm going to be honest. Not only does he not get in my top five. Well, we didn't do coaches. We did programs. Not only is he not in my top five. I don't know if I put him in my top eight. I'd have to think of who I would rank ahead of him, but there's enough coaches he, out there that have competed that I, in or won national the, championships that he did, well, would deserve to be over. Well, here's off the top of my head that I'd put. You ready? Some of these you won't like. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney. I, you're going to hate this one. I'm just, this Brian is a no Kelly. Brian Kelly. He's got look, two look, national championship games, so it's... Well, look, and I'm going to tell you this. Mac Brown, I, I mean, listen... They're not that I, I get that Mac hasn't had a lot of great years at North Carolina, but it what does it matter? He's still a national championship winning coach. He's still gotten to two of them. I can name two more that I, I like more. I you want me to tell you the truth? I don't know if I wouldn't put a Harbaugh ahead of him. I I mean, they're this Harbaugh has done has had more success at two programs than what Lincoln has got had so far. He, he still got to win a national championship is where I'm a little wary to. But he did it at Stanford, Joe. He did it with the damn right. tree. Okay, so I, I would even put Harbaugh in that discussion. Maybe you could debate for seven. Maybe you can debate for seven. I, I will tell you another one that you won't like. I, Due to his history, and I know that you hate this guy, Jimbo still has won 79% of his games. Joe, 79% of his games. Lincoln Riley's like at 84, but it doesn't Well, he's also won a national championship game too, so which is why like you have to give him a little bit more credit than Lincoln. You're damn right. And you know what? You know what Jimbo doesn't do? What he does what Jimbo doesn't get credit for? Dude, look at the games against LSU, Alabama. I don't remember the last time if they played Georgia. You know what they don't what doesn't happen to them? They don't get blown out. Now, the thing for me, and we're about to transition into this. Yeah. The Biggest, and I'm talking about the biggest hurdle that Lincoln Riley has goes up north into Oregon. Because on a spooky Halloween night in Eugene, anything can happen. Buddy, I'm going to tell you this. If Dan Lanning wins the Pac-12 in year two and gets to a playoff before Lincoln Riley gets to one, Watch my reaction then. <laughs> I'm get blocked by every USC oh. fan known to man. I, well, Lindell I can't wait for that White, day to. Lindell White is going to ban me. Oh, it's definitely going to happen. I can't wait for that to happen because uh, we would both be in that same boat of pushing against USC. But I, I think we are equally Oregon supporters. I, I think that we, I don't oddly, hate I don't right, hate right. Well, no, it's not so much hate Oregon. It's just I'm saying that. You and I both speak very positively of Oregon on this show. I, I don't think we've we've spoken negatively once. Yeah, on this because show. of their head coach, he actually knows what the hell he's doing yeah. defensively. And you know what he does? You know what Dan does? I don't know the offensive side of play calling. Let me get out of the way. 
And he hired he Kenny does. Dillingham, who's now head coach. And then the guy he pulled from UTSA is another up-and-coming bright mind in no the doubt. offensive sphere. So, uh, And Zachary Neal is going to be joining us really soon to talk to us about uh, Oregon and their outlook for 2023. All right, so let's do this. Let's talk about our good friends over at BetOnline. That's BetOnline.ag. Guys, we're back in 51 seconds. Zachary Neal uh, joins us next. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. All right, now joining us on the show, we've got Zachary Neal of Ducks Wire of USA Today and also the host of Going Long, the Oregon Ducks podcast on the Believe Network. Zach, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We're doing a little bit of a, a week-by-week preview of the 2023 season for a lot of the bigger programs, so it's great to have you on to talk about expectations for, for the Ducks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, I heard a little bit of the conversation before I came in, and I'm, I'm fired up to join this one. <laughs> uh so, Zach, let's start off with the, the most pressing question. You ready? Yes. Is Bo Nix going to win a Heisman? <sighs> Hell no, I mean, the... he ain't going to win a Heisman. Don't you say he's going to win? <laughs> no, I'm just so the let me smart money this, would Paul. say no. Yes, the smart money would say no. All right, so let's talk about this. You do have a new offensive coordinator. Let's start here. Let's start on the offense as we get into all of this. Uh Look, last year, Oregon, I think, did surprise some people. They got blown out by Georgia but in the game one. But, look, <laughs> first game under Dan Lanning, I mean, what did you really expect? Did you really expect to beat them? I don't really think the national champions were going to play around with anybody. But Bo Nix, Dan Lanning, this team, they still fought. They still emerged. They still had some really good games. You do lose your offensive coordinator, but Will Stein, a guy that was at Louisville, he's a really young guy, really good uh, offense and young offensive coordinator. I guess through this spring and through this team, what have you seen so far that you like from the offense, offensive side with the Ducks? We really haven't seen too much yet. I mean, so Oregon, they had two spring practices, and then they went on spring break. They actually resumed spring practice tomorrow. So we'll, we'll get more of a chance to see over this next few weeks what this offense looks like. But uh, on paper, it looks like they should be better. Well, I don't, I don't know if I should say better, but they should be pretty good. You got Bo Nix coming back for another year. Obviously, we get to, I mean, a lot of people think that he's going to be as good as Leo's last year, if not a little bit better. Um, I think that, you know, there's some people that say maybe, maybe he could regress a little bit. And last year was an outlier season. I don't know. We need to see him a little bit more because he had a lot working for him last year. Like you said, Kenny Dillingham, who he knew from Auburn, he had a really, really veteran offensive line with uh, actually four of those starting offensive linemen are gone now. So you got pretty much remade offensive line, a new offensive line coach, new offensive coordinator. You know, a lot of people are saying, you know, he's a, a Heisman favorite. Yes, he is. Is he going to win the Heisman? I don't know. I, I just need to see what he need, what he can do with this new offense so far. But they've got the pieces around him. They've got a really talented offensive line that we haven't seen what they look like yet. Uh, really talented pieces. They've got a great running back room, great receiver room. Uh, I think offensively they're going to be going to be pretty good. But just like last year, the defense is going to be what carries this team. And if they can't stand up like they didn't last year, it could be, you know, a relatively disappointing season. If you consider the, the high expectations, disappointing mm -hmm. is in two to three losses, not six losses. So you, uh, I, as a former roadie Ram football player, I have to ask about this uh, to get this out of the way. You guys pulled the Johnny Cornelius from the portal, who was the top offensive tackle uh, recruit that was available out there. Very talented kid, very athletic. I think he's a little raw, but in your opinion, how impactful do you think that addition of a Johnny Cornelius to play that potentially right tackle spot for the Ducks next season? 
I think it's huge. I mean, I talked to a couple people in the program that said that his just his presence in the locker room was was so massive before they even got on the field and saw his talent. Just that he's he's really a grown up and has some experience in that locker mm-hmm. room and is really because it's a really a relatively young team. I mean, you look at the other yeah. side of the ball or other side of the the offensive line. Uh, former five star offensive tackle Josh Connolly, who was the number one offensive tackle in the the 2022 class, he's projected to be the left tackle. And if you've got a Johnny over at right tackle, he can kind of help him along a little bit. Obviously, he doesn't have that experience at the power five level, but he I mean, he knows how to play football. He's been in in locker rooms before. He can kind of really be a leader of that group. And uh, like I said, you got a new offensive line coach because Adrian Klim, who was the, the offensive line coach, went to the NFL with the New England Patriots. So uh, they brought a young guy in, too, um, for the new offensive line coach. So a um, lot of moving pieces. But like I said, they've got the talent to be really good. We just need to kind of see them put it together. Zach Reno joining us. Uh, Zach. Zach or Zachary, what would you or does either one? Zach. Zach okay. is fine. All right. I, I'm just too southern and too slow to say the full name Zach. <laughs> I'll put that on me. Um, so Zach, you bring in an interesting dude, a guy that I think that us in the Southeastern Conference have followed for a long time in Jordan Birch. Um yeah. how massive is that for Oregon just in general? Okay, like you have a talent that more than and I know Joe's gonna hate me for saying this, but he will be a top 10 NFL draft talent. Um, what What's the impact of, of Dan Lanning being able to recruit and get a guy like that out of the portal? It's huge. One, I mean, so there's the, the on-field impact and then kind of what it says in the recruiting world as well. Because, right. I'll start with the on-field. Uh, this is, I mean, obviously the, the biggest transfer portal player they landed this year, just because you look at where it comes on the field. I mentioned earlier, Oregon's defense, I mean, we can just say it, they were bad last year. They were, you know, bottom half of the league, if not bottom 10% of the, of the nation in most metrics, they were terrible at, at rushing the passer. They had, I forget how many sacks they had, but it was ranked 110th or something like that in the nation. I mean, it was it was bad. And because of that no lack of pass rush, the secondary was terrible because you can't ask these cornerbacks and safeties to cover for six, seven seconds and have success, especially when you're in the Pac-12 and you're dealing with quarterbacks like Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Cam Rising. I mean, you're going to get diced up like that. So they went into the portal and they addressed that. They got the number one edge rusher that was available, Someone who, I mean, you saw him at South Carolina. He's a, a solid player, and I think that he can be really, really good with the right coaching. Um, and and like you said, this is the recruiting aspect of it is just really impressive because this is someone that Dan Lanning recruited hard when he was down at Georgia, and he he no was doubt. one of his main recruiters no and wanted him in Georgia, and he didn't get him. But he came up to Oregon and he kind of waited a little bit, two years, and. And said, "Hey, why don't you why don't you come up here over to the Pacific Northwest and, and join me up here to see what you can do?" So it kind of starts this new trend where um, Oregon this had a kind of a, I mean, they had a top ten class in 2023, but they also missed out on a top five class because they had several five stars that uh, they probably finished second for a lot of them. And we've mm-hmm. talked about that. Hey, this in this new transfer portal era, that may not be the worst thing because look at Jordan Birch, he. Georgia finished Dan Lanning finished second for him, but he ended up getting him in the end because you know, a lot of these yeah, kids they may know, not commit you somewhere. You know what but... Peyton Bowen would do, right? Like to exactly. your to your point. That was a mess. I mean, Peyton, Peyton Bowen in two years could be in the I was, I was just saying no, you're I didn't fine. mean to interrupt you. You're fine. Peyton Bowen is it's a perfect example. In two years, he could say, Hey, I don't like Oklahoma. Where should I go? Oh, I, I liked Oregon before. Maybe I'll like him again. So it's it's that type of thing that you Jordan think he'll, he'll, he'll that. say I'm going to Notre Dame and then just go to Oregon. Do you think he'll do something like that? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's a big Notre Dame fan, so I had, I had yeah. to him a little bit. Uh that <laughs> which is it still stings. And I, I was upset when when he picked Oregon, but uh weird to know that he's he's going to uh, to Oklahoma now, but uh, speaking of defensive backs for the Ducks, though, you're losing Christian Gonzalez, who was one of the best corners right. in the country and in the conference last mm-hmm. year. He's going to be, I believe, at least a top 20 pick at the bare minimum in this draft class. Yeah. Who is next up in that secondary to take over for a, a very well-coached defense, typically in the history of, uh, of Dan Lanning leading these groups? That's a really good question. Uh, we don't, don't quite know. Him. I mean, the... don't, don't boost his ego. Don't tell him. <laughs> 
I mean, there's there's a theme on this defense right now that there's there's talent, but we just we haven't seen it yet. There's a lot of unproven talent. Uh, Triquez Bridges was the other starting cornerback alongside Christian Gonzalez last year. He's probably going to be, you know, the the lockdown corner this year, but he definitely needs to improve if he's going to be that, you know, cornerback one and that lockdown defender. There's a couple guys on the roster that were former five stars that were were you know, really good prospects coming up, but we haven't seen it on the field yet. They just, they haven't really popped yet. Uh, they got Kyrie Jackson, a cornerback transfer from Alabama. Hopefully he can be someone that steps up for them. But, um, you know, like I said, we're, we're going to learn over these next few weeks, the spring ball, who really steps up and who can have that impact because they definitely have some holes to fill in that defense. And cornerback is maybe number one because you lose a guy like Christian Gonzalez. I mean, he was an electric player and he was a fantastic cornerback. Um, so losing him really hurt. So uh, a guy that I kind of really watched a lot was uh, Tysheem Johnson. Okay, mm-hmm. the the guy coming in, played at Ole Miss mm-hmm. and probably was one of their better athletes that he had back there. Do you see a trend in the – I don't know how to ask this without being rude, okay? I and mean, I don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> but we just we just got done talking about USC. USC mm-hmm. went into the portal and got five, five of their top transfer portal guys coming from the SEC. Oregon's mm-hmm. not that far off. Do you see a little bit of a trend in the portal that these coaches in the pack are just going to get some of these SEC guys? Because usually in the SEC, it's not from in conference. It's from everywhere. But in the pack, mm-hmm. when you go down it, it's normally guys coming from the USC or, like Joe said, a mid-major that or an FCS school that guys just really good – have you seen a little bit of an uptick of former SEC players going out to the pack? I think, yeah, it's it's a nice trend that started to build. I don't know that coaches look in the portal and say, hey, if, if they played SEC ball, we're going to get them. They're going to try and find someone that fits their scheme. But, I mean, right. Dan Lanning like is going <laughs> to – Well, no, I mean, when you talk about the top seven transfer portal guys outside mm-hmm. of the guys from Colorado, I'm taking them out for just a yeah. minute. Seven yeah. of the top ten came from the SEC. It's why I'm asking. You know, like, seriously. It's a fair question. Yeah. Well, it's – I mean, you look at some of the top players, and I think it's just – it is kind of coincidence. Well, not coincidence that they came from the SEC, but that's – let's be real. That's where the best players play. And so Dan Lanning spent years down the SEC at, at Georgia and Alabama. He knows the type of players that he's getting, and he's recruited those players. And now that he's able to bring them out, out of the SEC, bring him to the Pac-12. I'm not surprised that he's gotten several SEC players. I mean, Bo Nix as well from from Auburn last year. So, yeah, right. I uh, I'm not surprised that it's it's happened that way. I think that um, you know maybe it's a trend that we see going forward. Maybe SEC players. It's not that they don't have success with those teams and they want new places, but I I don't know. It's it's going to be something to watch going forward. No, Ole Miss's secondary just absolutely sucked, and that kid needed to get out of there so he could actually get drafted. <laughs> uh, one more for me, and then I'll kick it over to Joe. Okay. In reference to Oregon, is this the year that you think that they can make the playoff? I know it's a very <sighs> a, a loaded question. I know you say you got to find out a lot about the guys that you're getting replace or you're replacing. I just outside of Washington, I'm a so just FYI, Zach, I am a. Michael Penix Jr. Stan account. If you see it oh, on no. AYS, or this, I am a, <laughs> I am, I, I will back a lefty throwing quarterback all the live long day. Air Noland is a kid that's in this recruiting class that yeah. I'm, in, I'm in love. I with. like him. Oh, I, I, I was, never mind. I'm gonna be <laughs> keep my mouth shut. Do you think that Oregon has the most potential coming out of the pack right now? Can they dethrone Utah? They can. Yes, I mean they. I don't know that they have a better – if I was going to say would they make it this year or would they make it in a few years, I would say in a few years when you expand that playoff to 12 teams and you get the automatic Pac-12 champion in, that's when they have the best chance. But they absolutely can make it this year. I, I think that if they are able to stay healthy and if people play to the the level that we expect them to, if Bo Nix does not regress a little bit, if the offense doesn't miss a beat going from Dillingham to Will Stein – if the offensive line, you know, is as good as they can be and plays to the level that um, the, the talent is there and the offensive line coach is good. And if the defense can step up and, and have a pass rush and, you know, defensively is going to win you the Pac-12 this year because 
like you said, you've got Caleb Williams, you've got Michael Penix, you've uh, you've got Cam Rising. I mean, there's going to be some of the best offenses in the nation this year in the Pac-12, and whoever can stop them or at least hold them under 40 points per game, that's who's going to win the Pac-12 this year. So everyone's kind of loading up on offense, but I think that I liked, I've liked what I've seen from Dan Lanning so far, trying to get a lot of defensive transfers and really bulk up that side of the ball because that's what's going to separate you in this league. Everyone can score. I mean, if you want to go out and have 70 to 70 games, you can do that any weekend in the Pac-12. But if your defense can step up and actually get some stops, I think that's going to give you the most success. The last question I have, uh, Zach, is in relation to Dante Moore, another recruit who kind of last second changed his mind. Uh, I really was really, really stunned that he picked UCLA. And it it makes sense because he wants to play sooner rather than later. It's a better opportunity for maybe he he even to play as a true freshman. But was there that same sense of shock and maybe surprise that he chose not to go to Oregon? There was, uh, it was definitely alleviated by the the fact that Bo Nix announced, I think two days later that he was returning for another year. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, he was the highest recruit, the highest rated recruit quarterback recruit to ever, you know, commit to the ducks. Obviously didn't sign. Um, Uh, yeah, there was, was there was ideas. Oh, Mariota was like a three-star Justin Herbert was like a three-star. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were nobody's. Damn, they missed on that one. <laughs> I mean, the ducks the ducks have never had a five star quarterback sign. I mean, the highest one is a, a high end four star. So, uh, was yeah, that Butterfield they, that was the was the high end four star. It was, or was Ty it... Thompson who's who's okay. on it right now. Got it. So, um, yeah, duck fans were definitely frustrated and hurt by that one, and I think rightfully so. I mean, you get one of the arguably the top passer in the in the class committed to you and then last second he he goes to one of your rivals that that definitely hurts and not even your rival but the coach who used to be your coach who left you for the nfl after having such success Mm -hmm. at oregon so yeah there's there's a lot of kind of i don't want to say bad feelings but it's a little bit murky i know that when Mm. when oregon plays ucl does oregon play the ucla this year i forget um if they ever play them down the road or if they met in the Pac-12 championship that'd be a, a fun game to watch because I know that there's some feelings about Dante Moore I don't <laughs> think Dante Moore will paint his fingernails though I lied last one for me um <laughs> yeah I went there last one for me Deion Sanders prom what's the feeling yeah. so you cover the pack Oregon Oregon every day so mm-hmm. what's the feeling around prom I mean is that a game now that you got to pay look look Everybody's saying, oh, well, they, they still really stink. They did stink last year. This isn't last mm-hmm. year. You brought in 41 new kids, 41 new kids. That's a completely different team. When you look at them in the preseason and you look at them now, what's your thoughts about Colorado and if, if Oregon did have to ultimately play them? They're exciting. Uh, they're, they're definitely fun to watch. And I, I, I love all the storylines and it kind of props up the PAC 12, but I don't think that they're going to compete for a PAC 12 title this year. I don't I have don't many worries. I don't have any worries about that game in week four with Oregon and, and Colorado. I can't wait for it. Cause it's in Eugene. It's, it's prime times first PAC 12 game. It's going to be uh, highly covered. I'm sure it'll be on ESPN and like the noon window out, out West. It'll be fun to watch, but you know, there's, you can have those 41 new transfers, but that's not to say that they are going to to mesh right away. And someone that's that right. I, people mm-hmm. say that Shador Sanders, the quarterback, um, that he's going to be, you know, one of the best quarterbacks and he belongs in that elite tier of Pac-12 quarterbacks this year. I don't think right away this year he does. I mean, you look at Cam Ward, the quarterback for Washington State, was an incredible player at Incarnate Ward the year before. And then he went to Washington State last year and he had some flashes, but I mean, it took some time for him to get used to power five football and playing in the pack 12. And I think he'll be better this year, but I think we see something similar from Shador Sanders and a lot of the Colorado team. They've got great players, uh, Travis Hunter, Cormani McLean. I can't wait to watch some of their pieces, but uh, as a whole, entire unit, I think it's going to maybe 2024 is when we see them start making some actual noise, but you know, I don't know that they have a incredibly long runway because how long is Deion Sanders going to be there? I think 2025 at the at the longest, 2026 maybe. It's true. It's a good point. If he if he wins, let's just say hypothetical. Let's say he wins six has six wins year one, eight wins year two, let's say nine to ten mm-hmm. wins year three, he's gone. And buddy, yeah. I'm I, this is just me for yeah. just my opinion. If he goes eight wins at Colorado year two, 
I think he's gone then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to tell you something. As somebody who's lived in the South 34, 33 years of my life, don't think that Mike Norville won't get pushed out. I'm just let oh, yeah. listen. You know, I mean, it's already been buzzing. They wanted to fire him, and he won nine games last year. <laughs> That's how bad it's been. All right. Zach Neal's uh, been our guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Zach, tell everybody where they can catch all your content, everything that you're doing, especially with Believe in Ducks. Yeah, you can find me. Uh, you can listen to my podcast, the Going Long podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I love it. I've had a lot of fun doing that. Probably we actually just launched a few months ago, so we're still still relatively young, but but ramping up with the football season. Uh, find me, duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me on Twitter at Zachary C. Neal. Uh, and keep keep up on the latest with the ducks. Got a lot going on out here. The only thing I'm going to tell you as you as you exit here, whatever you do mm -hmm. on Twitter, you better back Angel Reese of LSU. That's all I'm going to tell you. Yeah. That's all I'm going to tell you. We're Angel Reese. I'm staying out of that entire conversation. I'm staying out of that. <laughs> all right, Blake's trying to get everyone in trouble. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right, that's Zach Neal. It was fantastic, bro. That was yeah. great. Awesome. That was great. I told you, right. new stuff. We got a lot of good info on Oregon. I'm going to tell you something. He started He started to worry me, though, about what do them. You mean? Oh, with some of the – because he brought up some good points about the defense of the secondary, and I was like, oh, you know, I didn't really think about that. It, they're, they're a little thin at some position groups. And here's, gotta... my, here's my counter argument to that, okay? Joe, they can't get any worse defensively in the Pac-12. They can't get that's, any that's worse. That's true. That's true. It's hard to replace a first-round pick corner, but that's absolutely true. I'm going to be on. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Horseshit. Horseshit. What do you, what do you mean? As someone who's covered what they call DBU, horseshit. Uh -huh. Because collectively, collectively, you can be better when he's out. Because you know, Let me tell you why. Because you have to call and scheme up things differently and better because you, now you don't have to say, oh, well, Gonzalez is on the outside, right? Mm -hmm. And I agree with him. Like, if – I mean, they got the – what's the kid's name? Uga Mbwendolele, okay? Uga Then they got Jordan Birch. If they can do – get a pass rush as a unit, that DB room will be better, okay? He just worried me a little bit. I don't know if I like taking Utah anymore. Give me Washington. Give me Michael <laughs> Jr. I'm done. He sold me. That's uh, all I need. That's not the outcome I was hoping for, but – Still, I'm still not coming stuff. off this Michael Penix Jr. stand account stuff. I'm not doing it. I I really I don't know why, but I hope that when we do yeah. our Washington preview, <laughs> is he excited to talk about Angel Reese? I think that's what I. What no, I he said, "Tell Joe to stop talking about the football game." Those are exact words. <laughs> I, okay, I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> I guess it's a sign and a signal. Anyway, continue. Uh, no, I was just going to say that I hope that the, the the Washington pundit we bring on gives you more cause for concern for Washington uh, after you've been blindly optimistic for their for their future. Tell me a time that I've been wrong. I'd have to think about it. I'm sure I could come up with a, a few times. My point, if you can't come off the top of the head, then. All right. We will see y'all Wednesday. Wednesday, we're back. Okay. Until then, we're going, going, going. We're out of here. Like and share, hit the comment button, hit the subscribe button, all of it. We'll see y'all Wednesday. We're gone. Peace.